Hello and welcome to another episode of Aussie Wisdom. Today I'm with Mark Wist from Property Resolutions. My name is Chris Anderson. As I said, this is Aussie Wisdom. Let's see how this goes. So Mark, what can you tell us about yourself? Okay, well look, um, 30 years in real estate, um, older got less for murder. Um, and uh, so started out with a degree in valuation uh, and went into valuation on a scholarship. Um, and uh, then moved into research, mm-hmm. um, all of that in Auckland. Uh, and um, uh, I think you just lost a whole bunch of viewers. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Uh, all, the new, all the Kiwis are over here anyway, aren't they? Well, yeah, about half. <laughs> uh, and uh, then from there, yeah, started a, a research and consultancy function in a, in a large uh, um, agency. Mm-hmm country's largest agency mm-hmm. um, and spent a few years there then went to Europe um, and did the whole backpacker thing for a year that was the best mm-hmm. um, and in fact I'd quite like to spend time talking about that but okay probably yeah let's do that <laughs> yeah okay, okay. Uh, and uh, then moved to London and, and did some more research consultancy mm-hmm. and then led a team there um, and then came to Australia um, and um, uh, was a director of a group called PIR, Property Investment Research, mm-hmm. uh, and so that organisation uh, ran evaluations, so analysis and advice to subscribers um, on listed and unlisted property trusts. Okay. Did that for a whole bunch of years, um, then moved back to London um, and started Property Resolutions up there mm-hmm. um, in advisory, and that was sort of around the time of just after the GFC. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of fallout from, from that, particularly in London, it was really ugly. Uh, and then came back again um, and uh, moved into a more advisory role in Melbourne. Uh, and uh, was in that for a few years, uh, then moved to Brisbane and commuted to Sydney um, in a funds management role down there, property funds management. And then uh, a couple of years ago, started my own um, advisory business here, Property Resolutions in Australia. Cool. So what is it you're most focused on now? Uh, so now, look, I, um, I do a bit of independent responsible manager stuff for AFSLs mm-hmm. uh, and um, due diligence management, feasibilities, uh, a bit about off-market asset sourcing because I've sort of um, uh, through those years in Australia I've um, developed a bit of a network of, of, uh, of asset owners and, and agents and vendors and all that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, I, I also um, um, am involved in the education space, uh, and so I do a bit of lecturing and, and uh, a bit of uh, uh, mentoring and editing of PhDs uh, pre-submission, uh, and uh, um, general consulting work, you know, the other sort of research reporting, advisory, M&A, that sort of stuff as well. Cool. And so obviously we don't have that much time, what do you think would be the best topic for us to focus on, given that we've got, say, another half an hour or so? Okay, well, um, perhaps um, some of the things that um, you know, that um, your viewers or, or listeners might be interested in are, are say, the, the markets and the cycles, yes. um, some of the drivers, yes. uh, and uh, perhaps um, you know some of the some of the history uh, about what happened when and, and particularly why. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps how um, Australia um, uh, 
uh, is driven compared to, say, the UK, Europe, uh, the US, um, and uh, and uh, the might of New Zealand. Uh, right. <laughs> might is right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the East Island. Cool. Well, look, I'll let you pick any of those. Mm-hmm. Well, how about we start with... Um, Obviously, there's a lot of talk in the market at the moment that we could be near, well, obviously we've come down from a peak, but there could be a little bit more in that. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? And based on the drivers that you see in Australia, yeah. what's your expectation? Okay, well, um, to start with, the, the uh, Australia has um, more markets more property markets than I can count. So if we're talking about the residential property market, you know, the, the, there will always be one sum number, um, you know, whether it's plus 5.2%, plus 1.7%, minus 1.2%, doesn't matter. Um, but that isn't actually that relevant um, beyond a, a general broad sentiment style direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might find that um, um, a few streets in Mossman and Sydney, um, Peppermint Grove in Perth, uh, and uh, you know, um, and that sort of thing. You know, uh, a few streets in Turek and Melbourne, um, and maybe something you know, a few streets in Ascot here in Brisbane um, have done or, or are doing exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we might find a few suburbs um, in southwestern Brisbane towards um, Logan and Ipswich, who where. Um, They've seen zero capital growth for the last decade. Yes, um, and so you know, and, and or or worse, mm. and so you know, you, we have this range of, of zero or minus through to you know plus ten, plus fifteen percent mm. in any given year mm-hmm. uh, that distills down to a number uh, across all markets that that um, um, gets reported and discussed in in the media. Um, which can be misinformation. It can be misleading uh, because if somebody in, in Ascot or somebody in Logan uh, reads that and thinks, wow, that, that's what's happened to my property, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and yeah, so the, that's an important um, starting point. Um, and you know, the, the residential suburbs have localised drivers and, and also... Uh, the, the macro drivers and so of course you know, the, the typical things like interest rates um, and you know uh, have the bigger impact in the mortgage belt um, and also sometimes in the real high value stuff um, you know the, the, um, where there is a lot of debt um, that might be you know siphoned off into a business or into other investments um, because you know the owners think that uh, property will only ever go up um, mm. and that you know the, the, the servicer of that mortgage might be bulletproof neither thing might be true um, and so you know sometimes we see uh, some sad cases um, and so um, you know uh, those localized drivers can be things like infrastructure. A train station, a new train station is a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typically, we'll see a, a big price um, rise in a, in, a, in a location associated with um, new infrastructure like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, sometimes also associated with you know, um, um, improved retail infrastructure or, or roads or um, schools and that sort of stuff. Um, and of course, that can be undone by uh, an oversupply, mm. um, which has been the major problem in, in some of the um, southwest of, of Brisbane yes. um, and uh, out of Melbourne and out of Sydney, no different, mm-hmm. um, where you know, there just simply isn't any growth because new product replaces um, um, old product in, in sentiment terms and old product just gets left on the shelf because why would you pay as much or more for an old 
house um, when you can have a brand new one a few streets away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that, that's that's a classic. So, um, and and you know, some of the macro drivers as well, aside from interest rates, um, the um, wages growth sentiment, um, you know, the, the old wealth effect, um, and, um, uh, and also um, you know, the the the, you know, the gig economy. Um, and, and how people are reacting to and, and uh, um, uh, coping with changes in, in um, work habits and work, work lifestyles and, and you know, whether they keep jobs. Mm. Um, you know, in you know, the, manufacturing, the old manufacturing belts in, in, in Melbourne, for example, where you know, um, a lot of people lost a lot of jobs out of the car industry um, and having to repurpose themselves, and so there's a bit of pain you know, in those areas, and, and that all affects you know, if, if they're concentrated in an area, um, and people are listing their homes, homes in order to get out to, to mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, meet financial um, uh, obligations, then that of course impacts. Um, so, um, yeah, look, in terms of it, going back to the overall scheme of things, um, residential property probably has. Um, a little bit of pain left in it. Um, you know, I think most of the media is talking about um, um, you know, some more negative impact in Sydney and Melbourne simply because they grew too far too fast anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not so much in Brisbane simply because it didn't grow so fast so fast. Mm. Um, and um, you know, uh, that, that just sort of equalises out and you've got you know, cross-border migration and, and um, you know, those sorts of impacts as well. Um, that you know, Queensland has, has seen you know, so many times over the years where you know, the, the, uh, the, the northbound migrants from um, Sydney and Melbourne who, who are seeking the, uh, the um, better lifestyle and, and the, the cheaper homes in the hope that they can uh, secure work of some kind up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, so, so it's, it's difficult to, be, to go beyond that um, and the the overriding uh, issue that, um, um, you know, from a, a macro macro perspective, is just simply the, the, the debt load in the economic system, in the financial system, um, you know, and uh, it, you know, uh, Australia doesn't have a mortgage on that. Pardon the pun. Um, it is a global issue in the Western world, mm-hmm. um, and you know, the United States is a classic example, and. and um, you know, if we see some sort of extraordinary trigger event like we've seen before only 10 years ago, um, then uh, you know, we could see some additional uh, pain fall out of that. Um, I think uh, eyes wide open this time, um, unlike last time um, a little bit when you know, everything was great and everything was bulletproof in 2006, 2007, and then um, you know, the, the, the debt, debt was the new normal. Um, and uh, um, this time, I think there is an acceptance that you know, a, a more conservative attitude to debt is, is appropriate, mm-hmm. um, and you know, paying down debt is a a good strategy um, rather than taking on more and leveraging up returns. Uh, and uh, you know, but the, the 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 overriding problem is that you know, um, as I sort of like to say. Um, Value is written in sand, but debt is written in stone. So right. um, uh, th- there isn't much you can do about the, the level of debt, but values can go all over the place, mm-hmm. and so you, know, you can breach all sorts of covenants, and, and uh, that can be particularly problematic, uh, depending on how the lenders uh, treat that, and uh, you know whether they um, throw their uh, uh, their mortgage laws to the wolves or not. 
suspect not this time because you know by doing that they're only polluting their own um, um, values and their own asset pool so I suspect they won't do that but uh, you know it is an, a, a, the overarching issue that we're facing at the moment um, and so you know, that's residential um, but in terms of commercial um, probably slightly less speculation in the media about commercial real estate and by commercial I mean um, office, retail, industrial and um, alternatives, healthcare, childcare, uh, logistics, all that sort of stuff. Um, and each of those has its own driver uh, and uh, each of them is a, um, a, a relatively unique, um, really only connected by the fact that um, they are uh, premises enabling business. Um, and so, you know, uh, on that, um, there is uh, there is significant change happening in the retail sector. For example, if we start there, um, and um, uh, retail property has had a history of adapting to change um, right. over the years, um, you know, from the high street to the mall. Uh, for example, was was a massive one in the fifties, started in sort of the late fifties through sixties through seventies, mm-hmm. and all of the you know the, the um, um, wonderment of a, a central location where you could do everything under one roof and air conditioned space and all that sort of stuff um, that you know, uh, we're all accustomed to. And now, of course, um, with you know, online retailing going from four to five to six to seven to eight ish percent of all um, traffic. Yeah. Um, you know, the question is, can uh, retail um, stores and chains uh, compete and can they um, uh, uh, survive? Um, and as we've seen, um, sadly, with so many, uh, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly in that sort of log-jammed um, mid-range fashion type space and shoes, um, which are um, favourites of uh, you know, the online um stores um, but is it the death of retail no I don't think so uh, there will just be a, a further adaptation um, and you know we saw for example a few years ago um, when uh, some of the Meyer stores um, and some of the David Jones stores started moving out of the Westfield centres uh, Westfield simply cut them up and, and turned them into um, smaller uh, um, more uh, um, specialised retail stores so instead of having you know, uh, 2,000 metres to, to Myers, uh, they might have, say, um, 15, 100 metre stores to Smeagol and to um, mm. um, um, you know, that, that sort of retailer, and, and they ended up making more money out of it because right. you know, the, the, the per square metre uh, rent they were getting out of Smeagol was a lot higher than they were getting out of Meyer, mm. uh, notwithstanding the, the, uh, uh, the repurposing of those um, physical spaces. Mm. Um, and then um, the next evolution. Um, uh, of um, some of the uh, poorly performing neighbourhood and um, um, uh, sub-regional centres, uh, you know, the ones that have one supermarket and maybe a supermarket and a discount department store yeah. um, and a bunch of specialties. Um, and you know, they're the ones that have really suffered in the last 12 to 18 months mm. uh, in terms of uh, cap rate decompression and also <clears throat> in terms of... Uh, the capacity of the occupiers to pay rent mm. uh, because they're the ones that typically are struggling in mum and dad um, um, you know, news agent classic um, you know, news agents are, are, 
unfortunately going out of business left, right, and centre. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I, I know in my portfolio, I had a number of news agencies that I had to to whom I had to extend all sorts of incentives during the term of the lease, not just at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, uh, in order to keep them operating. <clears throat> um, and. Uh, uh, so yeah, the, the the next evolution, one of the next pieces of of evolution of, of those spaces will be you know the, the uh, perhaps um, the exit of some of those larger occupiers um, and you know the, the uh, you know inserting a gym or a medical centre and that's that's been done now almost to death, but um, uh, now taking some of that space and turning turning it into a last mile distribution hub for some of the online delivery. Um, so um, <clears throat> we might see some of the larger fashion labels and some of the um, uh, other um, popular online uh, 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 shopping destinations using this um, shopping center space um, as kind of um, cohabited warehouse. You know, they might pay and, and occupy a, a rack um, for that suburb out of that space. Um, and you know it's a delivery point for you know, um, for the, the purchases in that postcode. Um, that that's something that um, is, is likely I think to happen over the next little while as um, you know, retail centres start to morph uh, and adapt to what's happening now. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Um, retail has been particularly problematic at that sort of lower uh, convenience end, uh, and and you know people who are uh, perhaps um, more focused now on, on uh, non-discretionary spending and and uh, just going straight into the supermarket and straight out again and not going into um, the specialties mm-hmm. to browse and buy. Um, they the, those little centres um, have really struggled. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so so I think we'll also see some remixing and, and remodeling, um, and the reintroduction and recreation of um, food courts, and and also importantly, um, um, more social space, um, right. because as we um, uh, create a more dense set of cities, particularly Melbourne and Sydney, not probably so much here in Brisbane yet, um, but in those two cities, you know, um, they are they're becoming more densely populated as we see the uh, you know, um, multi-storey uh, apartment blocks spreading from the city uh, into the suburbs, um, um, you know, which was you know, would have been unheard of um, beyond the three-storey walk-up in, mm. in, a, in a Sydney or Melbourne suburb you know, 15 years ago. You know, now we're seeing 15-storey apartments, 20-storey apartments regularly mm. uh, going up uh, to accommodate um, the, uh, the rise in population in those uh, metropolitan centres. Uh, and so um, uh, that creates by its nature a need for social space and what better place to do that than in a shopping centre, so repurposing some of that space. Um, and that's fine, but the problem for the owners of that space is that you either get no rent or low rent for that repurposed space. So you know, I'd considered, uh, I had a, um, a, a big space um, uh, that I just couldn't let in one of my centres and it was a horrible space in a dark corner and I thought, you know, um, like an ice rink or a, or a cinema or, or something like that to at least generate some foot traffic and some revenue. But of mm. course, you know, if you're going to put an ice rink, you know, 
I was drinking. Uh, it was in Queensland, so I didn't have that idea very long. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, some sort of, um, you know, or maybe like a, a miniature theme park for kids or something. Um, but you know, the, the, the per, per meter rate for something like that might be you know, 5% of, of you know, a, a typical retail space. Um, but at least it creates a, a destination, brings people, and that's the, the, the primary consideration. So at least the other space that you do have is occupied and generating um, as much rent as you can. Um, and so you know, that's another solution for some of these um, um, you know, smaller um, neighborhood and sub-regional centers that, that might start to struggle under the weight of um, you know, the shift um, of uh, um, retailing from in-store to online, bearing in mind as well that that increase up to towards 8% of, of the total um, isn't all coming off, um, you know, it's not a net, sum, net zero sum gain um, because retail sales are growing as well, so you know, that, that, um, it's, it's not all sort of you know, 8.92, um, um, because uh, in-store is, is growing also. Um, but we've seen in the most recent reporting season, for example, that uh, the leasing spreads, uh, the, the, the um, price uh, per meter of um, new leases versus um, renewing existing leases um, has come down a bit. So um, you know, we're, um, you know, that's a sign um, that uh, retail leasing has been um, challenging mm. in the last little while. Uh, and in the office space, um, of course, you know, co-working and collaborative um, working um, is the big thing uh, now. Uh, and um, uh, I remember I've been writing about hot desking as it was originally yeah, yeah. You know, since the, the early 1990s. Mm. Uh, it's not a new thing, um, um, but it's, it's just you know, co-working and, and uh, um, uh, flexible um, hubs and that sort of stuff. Um, is the, the latest evolution of that concept. Um, and we're seeing um, in all of our main cities now you know, uh, an increasing uh, uh, occupation from these um, uh, service providers, um, uh, many of them international and some of them um, local. Uh, and you know, they're catering to a certain you know, office demographic. You know, um, people like me that run um, you know, um, I don't run IBM, I run property resolutions, and it's, you know, I don't have a lot of people. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it, it suits me. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, mentioning IBM, IBM, you know, I think it's about 2017, also adopted that um, and have taken space uh, internationally, I think London and a few places, um, uh, to, um, you know, to, to uh, appeal to uh, millennial workers. Um, and um, also to give themselves a bit of um, flexibility, so that you know, they, they are they too are occupiers of that flexible um, co-working type space, um, and uh, you know, ultimately it's quite efficient space. Um, but uh, you need to be able to focus uh, because you have a lot of people and a lot of different things going on around you, um, uh, and. Uh, uh, so it's, you know, uh, that's a skill that needs to be uh, learned and applied, kind of like school, I suppose. You know, mm. A lot of things going on around you if you need to be studying. Um, um, but ironically enough, in, in nine, no, was it? Um, 
just after the GFC 2000, not much, can't remember exactly when it was, but it was, um, um, can't remember, but anyway, Regis, um, uh, the, the British um, service office provider uh, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, uh, and they were a big provider of the service office space in the United States and in the UK. Um, and so, you know, th that is is just a, a bit of a warning um, that you know, if um, uh, service office and, and co-working type space starts to take over, it becomes a significant uh, um, occupier of, of broader office space. At the end of the day, those service providers are themselves occupiers and, and uh, lessees. And so if they start to fall over because people start stop occupying that type of space and go you know, to satellites and that sort of thing, then, then you know, the investors are again left exposed mm -hmm. to a, uh, um, probably overexposed to a, uh, a, um, a category of, of occupant that um, is probably yet to be proven over the, the long term, notwithstanding service offices that have been around for a long time, but this co-working type space, which is you know, um, pretty cool and funky. Mm. And, and you know, interesting and vibrant space to be in, and and certainly enables networking like nothing else. Yeah, um, and you know, um, can uh, lead to um, you know, business being done that would may not otherwise have been done. Mm. Um, and um, so, in terms of markets, um, each of the cities. Has its own submarket, and and you know the drivers of Brisbane are quite different to the drivers of Sydney, are quite different to the drivers of Melbourne, and, and each of the the DNA of those three cities is different. You know, Melbourne is huge, spread out, and and goes in all directions. You know, St Kilda and Docklands, and the, you know, the, the Paris end of St Colin, of Collins Street, and uh, the core and the legal precinct, and it's massive. Um, take you half a day to walk around the whole thing, or more. Um, whereas it wouldn't take you half a day to walk around the Brisbane CBD. Absolutely not. Uh, uh, and you run around uh, half an hour. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, you know, the supply risk uh, is significant in Melbourne, but Melbourne has survived well, uh, notwithstanding sort of uh, in the mid late two thousands when incentives were really high, um, if I recall. But um, uh, because of um, the, the the highly skilled talent pool uh, that lives around Melbourne. Mm. Uh, and so, and also the, the cheaper rental structure that exists mm. there compared to Sydney. So a lot of businesses, um, international businesses, and, and that's what we preferred Melbourne to Sydney, mm. and two of the big four banks are down there. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so that that was um, you know, the unique, well, a unique selling point for Melbourne compared to Sydney. Um, and Sydney is, is you know the, the finance capital. Um, that's um, obvious, but. Uh, has a, a different DNA as well, and uh, both of those cities benefited from the withdrawal of stock for apartments, um, um, and more recently, Sydney has really benefited from um, the withdrawal of stock for the uh, uh, the Sydney uh, transport infrastructure uh, done by the council down there, um, and they, they just bought buildings wholesale and mm. knocked them over, uh, and. Uh, I don't know when it's due to be complete, but it's going to be a, a significant uh, improvement to their um, underground rail infrastructure down there. And those um, pads will be available again to, to be built. And then you know, when those buildings are built, the, the, um, the buildings that were knocked over will sort of 
typically B grade, C grade, and of course they won't be replaced by B grade, C grade, or C grade buildings, they'll be replaced by um, prime A grade, um, you know, premium type stuff, and that will impact on um, the supply metrics um, of that um, uh, premium uh, office space in Sydney. Suddenly, you know, there will be uh, a bunch of floors available again, because now you're paying through the nose if you can get uh, premium style space, office space in Sydney. You know, you're lucky if you can, but you know, give it five, ten years, all of these new buildings coming online progressively, uh, and that'll change the dynamics again. You know, uh, and incentives will, will uh, start to increase as they've fallen, and rental growth will, will slow and stop. Um, and whereas you know, rental growth has, has exploded down there. Um, and you know, Brisbane has had a different journey again you know, with the, the, the mining resources boom and, and Triple One um, Eagle Street and all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, so you know, the DNA and the supply demand metrics and the, and the drivers of each of those cities are quite different and um, need to be understood uh, in order to take a, a strategic asset allocation uh, position on, on you know, where and what in each city, if um, money is to be allocated to each city, um, and not just, um, yeah, Australian office is doing 10.3% total return for the last mm. year. Um, that sounds good. Let's get into a breeze pin back. Well, that's, that's you know, throwing darts at a dartboard blindfold that, you know, 10.3 last year is, is effectively meaningless um, and, and is, is useful for um, you know, performance measurement of a portfolio um, compared to other portfolios and, and you know, drives um, performance fees and all that sort of stuff perhaps, mm. uh, but isn't in and of itself a, 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 a tool um, useful in strategy beyond um, you know, forming an understanding of, of um, um, what happened and then uh, the next question is why did that happen? Mm. You know, why was Sydney 13.6 or whatever it was and why was Brisbane this and why was Melbourne that okay because of this that and that right okay how is that going to translate into next year and not only next year but in five years time and in ten years time depending on how long I want to hold that asset mm. uh, and uh, industrial property has um, kind of been the um, the winner out of the online um, phenomenon, you know, the, the, the whole wholesale um, uh, warehouse and, and logistics distribution centers um, located near you know, typically um, road but also um, um, rail for, for longer distance stuff um, or ports or airports. Um, and you know, so um, while industrial property has always had a, a much lower barrier to entry uh, because it's much easier to buy. 10,000 square metres of industrial land out somewhere than it is to buy 10,000 metres in the middle of the CBD mm. and build you know, a 15 metre high shed with some roller doors than to build you know, a 45 storey office building is chalk and cheese. Um, and so you know, the, uh, the, the barrier to entry much lower, uh, which has um, therefore typically um, seen uh, industrial yields structurally higher and necessarily higher to reflect that higher risk um, because you know, if I can do that then somebody can buy the piece of land next door and do that themselves mm. um, and there's not much stopping them. 
uh, and you know, they, they'll build it to coincide with my tenant's um, lease expiring and they'll move next door and you know, stuff. Um, so um, notwithstanding that, um, you know, groups like Goodman uh, have done particularly well out of, out of this cycle and have responded to it and, and um, have built sheds appropriate to it, not just them, Charter Hall and, and others. Uh, and uh, I've done you know, very well out of recognising that component of the cycle and, and catering for it. Um, and uh, no reason to think that that's not likely to continue in the foreseeable future. Um, notwithstanding the, the prospect that maybe you know, that last mile delivery might um, now come out of um, you know, the, the small shopping centres, mm. uh, as I mentioned before. Um, and um, then, of course, you know, the, the, the alternatives, the childcare, the healthcare, um, and the medical centres and car parks and all sort of other stuff, all completely different um, uh, metrics uh, and drivers. Um, um, hotels as well. Hotels were doing brilliantly a few years ago, and now they're sort of a bit, a bit flat. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, childcare centres, you know, um, I, I recall trying to buy a childcare centre for my portfolio only three or four years ago, and I was looking at like five, sub five percent. I thought that's crazy. Mm. Um, and you know, so um, the the, the um, the extreme compression in, in those asset classes um, is, in my view, um, not sustainable, and so they will um, you know, uh, revert to main a little bit, sort of back towards um, you know, six and seven um, uh, over time, and simply um, you know, the, the weight of money uh, that has driven um, you know, this asset price inflation that we've seen um, over, well, 15 years. Um, or longer, uh, and um, uh, so you know, that weight of money isn't going to stop anytime soon because we're still getting nine and a half percent every fortnight, month, um, pouring into you know, Australian Super and Host Plus and and, on, and all of these other uh, super funds that have allocations to real estate to fulfil mm -hmm. um, and have to go and do it. Mm. Um, and and same with the investment managers, they're getting money from high net worths and from and from their, their, their super funds. And what are they going to do with it? Um, you know, they, they have to um, create it, you know, develop it. Uh, and some of them don't have the mandate to do that. You know, the externally managed ones, um, or they buy it and they're paying full price, or you know, a, a very full price. Um, or they adjust their asset allocations, um, or they um, go overseas um, uh, and and start doing that, as we saw in two thousand four, five, six, with some of the uh, you know, the big famous names going off to the UK and Europe, and the US, and, and blowing up billions of dollars, mm. um, uh, and or or um, there's there, uh, is some uh, merger and activity, merger and acquisition activity, um, as we started to see in in Europe and Asia. Uh, a fair bit of that um, as a, a, an easier or less traumatic way of getting exposure, increased exposure to real estate is, is just to buy somebody else that already has that portfolio, yeah. already has the systems running that portfolio and the people. Um, and you know, a bit of synergy, that's fantastic. Um, and you know, do it at a corporate level rather than an asset to asset level. Uh, which can be particularly time-consuming, high risk, um, and um, uh, um, 
uh, not very efficient. So that's a, sort of the five options uh, available to these um, um, uh, investment managers and, um, and well, super funds aren't going to do all of those things, but certainly the investment managers. So that was a particularly long answer to a very simple question. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I was hoping for. Um, and given that you run a business, property business, you've lived overseas as well as Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Let's say you're starting out again, you know what you know now, where would you go, why would you go there, and what would you set up in terms of a property for your business and the house or unit that you're going to live in? And what, what are you looking at when you make those decisions? Okay, so how old am I? Uh, let's say you're anywhere between 35 and 45 with a young family or looking to have a young family. Okay. So that, that changes the answer. Okay. Um, so I had visions of 25 to 30, in which case immediately I'd say London, hands down. Right, okay. Um, um, because um, A, it's easier to, to go and live in London than New York, or for me anyway. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, you know, it, it is a boundless opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also the things that they do in London... Um, uh, are sophisticated in one sense, mm-hmm. um, but um, uh, Neanderthal in another sense. Okay. So, so there is a level of sophistication that um, we in Australia can take to um, to the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm about to get a lot of hate now from London now for everybody. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and you know, in terms of um, you know, um, portfolio. Uh, Investment management, probably, um, and uh, and funds management, um, and um, so that that's what I would um, do if I was twenty five to thirty something, mm-hmm. um, thirty five to forty five different story. Or even well, and that that gap from sort of thirty to thirty five. What would you be doing at that point? Like you've so you've you've gone to uni, you've got your initial jobs, you've gone to London from twenty five to thirty, you've met some people over there, you've got some good experience. You come back at 30, what are you doing? Okay. Where are you? Melbourne. Yep. Um, uh, and um, uh, so I, I came to Brisbane, um, well, twice. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't know anybody else who's moved from Mel- from London to Brisbane twice, <laughs> um, which sounds really stupid and is. Um, but... I ended up in Melbourne both times, mm. ironically enough, um, because Melbourne, um, um, from my experience, tends to appreciate British um, uh, experience more, right. and and so the, the the absence of local Brisbane uh, experience, knowledge, uh, connections isn't um, as important mm. uh, in Melbourne as mm. it is here in Brisbane, um, and. Um, so uh, and and also Melbourne is is the most in my view the most European city yes. um, in this part of the world uh, and um, yeah so um, taking the the you know, the the, um, the knowledge and experience um, of Britain um, and and uh, deploying it uh, into Melbourne I think um, the more useful. Uh, um, Passage would be from Asia 
into Melbourne because okay. uh, that's the, the seat of, of more money coming in. And right. so uh, to be a conduit um, for that money, to be a local um, uh, you know, language speaker mm-hmm. in Vietnam, mm-hmm. Shanghai, Tokyo, Singapore, well, that's more English anyway, but um, uh, um, Mandarin, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. So right. you know, if I was living in, in Southeast Asia somewhere, I would throw myself into um, learning language, making connections, and building trust mm-hmm. uh, with the, the, the locals, mm-hmm. and then um, deploy myself here and, and being that conduit, mm-hmm. uh, which is not really as easy to do um, from um, the United States or, or Europe or the UK because you know, the things operate a little bit differently there, mm-hmm. and a lot of those organisations that are represented are represented here already. Um, but you know, to access the high net worth individuals and and some of the uh, you know the the, the vast number of, of organisations that um, exist in, in Southeast Asia that we just don't even know about mm. here uh, would be what I would do in that sort of um, you know, 30, 35 um, age range, um, and um, uh, I think post thirty five um, I. Probably, uh, unless I've been in Hong Kong a long time, I probably couldn't be there beyond that uh, mm-hmm. because of the, uh, you know, the, it's it's a wild and exciting uh, place. But some of the living conditions and and you know the expense is incredible mm-hmm. on a different level mm-hmm. um, to what we have here, and so I'm not sure I could um, tolerate that myself. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of people who could, um, and um, and that probably applies for a lot of Asia. It's just so um, so different in the way that it functions, mm. um, and you know, I like to have a fridge staff stack full of like beer and stuff. Um, whereas uh, in a lot of places there, like if you have a fridge or mm. need a fridge, mm. uh, kind of thing, you know, a bit of an extreme, but um, that sort of thing. Um, and so, uh, um, yeah, the, the thirty-five to forty-five um, probably looking for more comfort out of the US or, or, or Europe and Britain um, and um, uh, then I think the, uh, uh, the the big thing there would be you know, just basically the, the, that classical saving pounds um, and, and bringing them back you know, it's, it's probably not as great now as it, as it once was yeah. on the cross rate but um, uh, um, and certainly buying uh, real estate in London um, you know, in the Buying real estate in London in the nineties, oh my god, um, um, and and s- still can happen today, depending on what happens with Brexit. Mm. Um, um, but uh, it'll shake out. It might take six months. It might take five years, but uh, eventually it'll shake out, and and London will resume its position as one of the most important financial centres in the world, with you know, New York and Tokyo and. Um, Probably Singapore. Um, whether it um, resumes its position as, as you know, um, absolute number one, or whether it ever was compared to New York, it's debatable. But either either way, whether it's one or two after Brexit, um, but still, uh, London will always be just by its nature a, a magnet for um, um, for business and for money. So, you know, uh, um, to own real estate there is. Um, it's almost a privilege and um, uh, typically not a bad idea that's not investment advice mm. and just on that I moved to Toronto in Canada 
And obviously New York is another one, LA is another one, San Fran's another one. Is there a reason you omitted all of those? Um, yeah, typically, well, not typically. Um, I, I say typically a lot because I don't want to get sued. Yeah. Um, but um, I, yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time in the US. Uh, more of a, a kind of a passing through, kind of um, glancing look, really. Yeah. Uh, I didn't spend enough time there to truly understand it, so mm-hmm. I, I tend not to, to talk to it a lot. Yeah. Um, that notwithstanding, I love San Francisco, I love Los Angeles, um, for example, and um, you know, um, and if I understood the places better, then sure, yeah. I, probably would certainly consider it. Mm. Um, fundamentally, perhaps not Los Angeles because they have a, a, a structural water and and uh, also an economic system mm. problem mm. Um, or seem to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, San Francisco has been one of the best performing um, cities for residential real estate for a long time mm. and you know, their, their residential real estate is massively expensive and so having bought one or had anybody bought one a while ago and they'd be on, on a bit of a gold mine I expect mm. I um, actually sold real estate in Toronto and that was interesting because when I was finishing up there it was a normal thing to have certain areas doing 30% a year on detached housing yeah wow and um, it felt like Melbourne to me People say that Toronto is Sydney because it's the finance mm-hmm. centre. Mm-hmm. For me, Vancouver is Sydney. Feels yeah. like Sydney. Uh-huh. Lots of water, lots of trees. Yeah. Um, yeah, Melbourne is like Toronto as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And it was cool. Lots of cafes, lots of live music. Um, entrepreneurship. I worked with a startup there. There was a mortgage brokerage. There was a real estate brokerage. There was a financial comparison website. We were all under the same roof. Nice. And so that was a, I guess you could say it was almost cohabitation. Mm-hmm. But that was something that I never would have expected to have done before. And so I could appreciate what it's like to work in an area where everyone is catching up on a regular basis and discussing ideas. Mm. And I think. I know we've got this talk about maybe not having to commute from home to go to work or something along those lines. Personally, like when I come to work, I love being with the people I work with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing. And unfortunately, we've got to wrap it up because we're going for a meeting. But um, Mark, thanks very much for your input today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Chris. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you soon. Good. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in.